Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Nap Time is Sacred podcast where we share stories of Muslim women doing amazing work. I'm your host Fosia Abdullahi. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Nap Time is Sacred podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be speaking with a lovely sister named Rune Saeed who is a licensed therapist and a certified health coach, mashallah. Rune, thank you so much for coming on the show and for taking the time. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me on here, Fosia. I'm really excited. Inshallah, please tell us a little bit about yourself so the listeners can get to know you. Okay. So my name is Rune uh, and I'm a therapist and a health coach. The reason I decided to become a therapist and a health coach was because I saw the connection between the foods that we eat and our mental and emotional wellness. So I thought it would be interesting to combine both certifications, but I mainly work as a therapist. So providing individual therapy, family therapy, and group therapy for people who have diagnoses of any kind. And I've also done a lot of groups, parenting workshops, So that's something that I also work on as well. Thank you for giving us a little intro about yourself. Tell us a little bit about positive parenting or gentle parenting for those listeners who might not be familiar with those two types of parenting. Okay, so positive and gentle parenting are pretty similar. In fact, I would say they're almost the same. A quote that I think really kind of summarizes it best. And I don't remember who the person who said it was, unfortunately, but the quote says, it is better to bind your children to you by a feeling of respect and gentleness than by fear. So essentially that's what it is. It's treating your kids with respect and understanding where they're coming from and using that as sort of a guide for the way you parent. And there are like four kind of tenets to gentle parenting, and it's empathy, respect, understanding, and boundaries. Okay, awesome. Thank you for letting us know. Because I mean, a lot of people our generation were like, what? Positive parenting, gentle parenting. My parents just told me what to do all the time. You know, we didn't really have like this terminology as far as like the average parents, like in our parents' generation or even older. And some would even go as far as saying this is kind of like a millennial kind of parenting style you know, how they like to blame everything on the millennials. But tell us some of the benefits that you see from this style of parenting versus the old school kind of like, you know, my children are here to do what I say, when I say, and how I tell them to do it. And there's no back and forth. There's no room for their own input or, you know, them deciding what they will and will not do in their life. Okay. Yeah. So I also grew up in the type of household that was you do as I say, and that's that. And I never questioned it. That's just the way that it was. But just having my own kids and learning about this, it really changed my perspective that there is another way to actually parent. And one of the things that when people hear positive parenting, they automatically assume, oh, you are going to be permissive or like you're going to let your kid do whatever they want. And that's totally not it. It's just your approach is different rather than coming out of a place of being like an authoritarian and this is what I say and this is my house and you're going to follow the rules. You're coming at it from, yeah, I'm your parent, but let's kind of figure out what's going on. So it really changes your perspective on how you do it. And there are a lot of benefits to parenting this type of way. 
you're helping your kid regulate their emotions better because you're allowing them to feel their emotions rather than saying statements such as, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. It wasn't that big of a deal and kind of minimizing what they're going through. The kids learn how to be more empathetic. Their self-esteem is much higher. Their brain development, interestingly enough, the way that we parent actually impacts how our kids' brains develop. And kids who have parents who use positive, gentle parenting become more independent and they're also less likely to engage in risky behaviors, which I think is amazing. You just told us a few kind of like terminologies that parents use, things like you don't, you shouldn't feel that way, stop crying, why do you always do this, things like that. What are some positive words that we can use in place of, you know, those negative words? So what you want to do instead of using those negative words, you want to validate the kid. Even if what they did was something that you don't agree with, saying like they hit their friend or something and you don't agree with that behavior, which is understandable, but you see that your kid is upset. So you want to validate that and say, I can see that you're upset. I see that it's upsetting that so-and-so wouldn't share that toy with you but it's not acceptable to hit a friend. So what you're doing is validating their emotions so that they see while their behavior is not acceptable, it's okay for them to feel that emotion. Now, how do you kind of change this? Because like all kids are not the same, right? Some kids need a little bit more of firm words than others. Some kids will just listen to you. Some kids need a little bit more guidance than others. What do you look for when you're trying to gauge which techniques works best for your kids? Is it something that, you know, you pay attention to their feelings, their emotions, or is it something that you take a step back and you reevaluate the words and terminology that you're using? Yeah, each kid is an individual. So you definitely may not parent each of your kids the own way. I know that one of my kids is more emotional than the other. So the way that I approach them is going to be different than the other child that I have. So what you're going to do in that situation is If you yourself are feeling emotional, you're going to want to step back before you kind of have that conversation with them because there needs to be a calm presence in that conversation. And the kid is obviously not going to be the one that's calm. And you're right, there, there does need to be sort of a firm presence, which is one of the tenets of having that boundary. So while you may have that conversation of validating their emotions, there will still be like a consequence for that behavior. So you're not going to just end it at that conversation, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Tell us a little bit about some of your go-to positive parenting techniques and your gentle parenting techniques that you found useful, not only with the way that you're parenting, but some of the things that have worked for clients and their children. Okay, yeah. So the number one thing I think is when we're parenting in general is to understand that we're going to make mistakes. I think if we try to come at it from a way of, I'm going to do positive, gentle parenting, and I'm going to do it 100% of the way. And then when you make a mistake, we're really hard on ourselves and it kind of throws us off our path. So first and foremost, understanding that parenting is difficult and that we're going to make mistakes, but focus more on the progress that you're making rather than trying to aim for perfection. And then after that, realizing that you are a safe and secure base for your child. So you're kind of that calm in the storm because as our kids are growing up and their brains are developing, it's kind of like a lot of emotional development going on. And sometimes there's, they feel overwhelmed by all that they're feeling. And then that sometimes tends to lead them to act out a little bit. 
So if you are that calm in the storm, if you're not getting emotionally riled up as they are, it can help you calm them down, which is kind of the aim that we're looking for. So be that calm so that they can calm down too. And then you guys can tackle the problem. So the first technique is, like I said earlier, understanding that we're not aiming for perfection. We're looking for progress and that parenting is hard and we're going to mess up. That kind of gives us a little bit of leeway, I guess, in terms of parenting. If we're not aiming for perfection, we're not going to be as hard on ourselves and understanding that it is a journey and we're going to make mistakes. And owning up to our mistakes helps our kids see us as we're humans too. Your parent is a human as well, and they're going to make mistakes. Another thing is being that safe space for them, that secure base. So not getting as emotionally riled up when they're worked up because you want them to be able to calm down. But if you guys are both kind of worked up, it works against the goal of helping the child calm down so that you guys can move on to the problem solving stage, which is where you kind of tackle the issue of, okay, this is what happened. How are we going to handle it differently? And also for parents to be aware that our kids' brains are still developing. So sometimes our expectations might be things that they are not capable of doing yet. So we need to meet them where they're at. That's really true. I mean, even as teenagers, when they're growing up, their brains are not fully developed to understand sometimes, you know, right from wrong situation, like situational awareness might not be that great of a development yet for them. So I love that you mentioned like, you know, getting to that level with yourself that you're able to assess, okay, is this child going to understand this? How can I better improve the way that I'm communicating with them in a way that is at their level. Like even for me, telling something to my 12-year-old, I'm not going to be able to tell my two-year-old in the same way. I'm going to have to explain it better. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Tell us some resources that you recommend when it comes to positive parenting and gentle parenting. I keep saying it like it's two completely different things, but both of those techniques that work so well together that you find useful. Yeah. So the first thing that I'm going to recommend is a book by an author called Danielle Siegel, and it's called The Whole Brain Child. And what it does is in that book, he provides different strategies that you can use to meet your child where they're at developmentally and ways that you can utilize their whole brain. And what he actually talks about is how the way that we interact with our child can actually either hinder or influence different parts of their brain. So like you're helping them develop different parts of their brain is what I'm getting at, which I thought was really interesting that the way that if we're being like a positive, gentle parent, we can actually help our kids utilize different parts of their brain. Cause it's not something that you really think about like, Oh, the way I'm parenting you is gonna impact your brain. It's just, Oh, the way I'm parenting you is just in this moment, but it actually has a bigger effect. Yeah, we're not thinking about like, okay, this kid is not going to be able to problem solve on their own, or this kid is going to be afraid to share their feelings or when something is wrong, because, you know, they were shamed when they were younger, or they were told like, you know, suck it up, you're, you know, boys don't cry, or like, you know, act like a lady or those kind of terminologies that kind of, you know, they come up from the way that we were raised. Sometimes we have to be very careful. I did a post on Instagram before we started recording. And I asked some of my Instagram followers the first question, did your parents use positive or gentle parenting techniques? 
And 32% yes, and 68% said no. So the second question was, do you use positive or gentle parenting techniques? And I was 84% yes and 16% no, which I found so interesting because uh, alhamdulillah, I'm glad that our generation is taking something that was lacking, you know, maybe in their parents because their parents might not have had the resources or the cultural awareness. I don't want to keep picking on our parents, but like some things are not things that they did or that their parents did. So I'm glad that our generation is kind of like getting out of the box and learning these techniques. What other advice do you have for parents? I know most of the things that parents struggle with, especially early on, is, you know, toddlers and tantrums. So let's start with that one first. What is your recommendation for positive parenting and, you know, gently parenting your child when they're having a tantrum? Like, what are the things, first things that you should do? when this is happening. Okay, yeah. So this is something that I sometimes struggle with as well because when your kid is throwing a tantrum, it kind of riles you up as well because you're not able to kind of reach them in that moment. So you're feeling overwhelmed and then they're feeding off of that and then it kind of escalates the situation. So one thing I would recommend is to try de-escalating the situation. So if you guys are at home, kind of finding a quiet place so that they're able to calm down. A lot of the time we think that they might need a timeout when really they just might be overwhelmed with what they're feeling and not being able to express themselves or having the, the language development in order to kind of express themselves. So if we're looking at it from a way of oh, I'm going to put you in timeout. Now they're feeling alone and scared and they're not able to, they weren't able to verbalize what they were feeling and now they're alone. So like they don't have that kind of emotional comfort to get through whatever they're feeling. So rather than coming at it from that approach, I think number one is first of all, make sure that you're feeling calm. So taking a couple of deep breaths, if that's what you need to do. If you feel like you absolutely need to remove yourself from this situation in order to calm down, do it from a space where you're kind of able to keep an eye on them while they're throwing their tantrum. So kind of like actively ignoring, but you're able to kind of bring yourself yourself down and then go and tend to them if they kind of need to sit on your lap, if you guys need to read a story. And then once they're calm, have a conversation about what happened, if they're able to have that, if they're like a three or four year old and they're able to express what happened. And obviously if they're younger, it's you're not going to be able to have that kind of dialogue, but you've helped them calm down, which is, I think, a great thing because you're that next time that happens, you're that safe place again. Awesome. Those are fabulous tips, mashallah. Let's move on to the second kind of scenario that parents struggle with. You know, I've read some things about like, you know, logical parenting and, you know, teaching your kids, like, you know, if you don't want to eat, you're going to be hungry. And, you know, doctors telling parents, you know, if you offer them food and they don't eat it, you know, don't offer them something else. They can go to sleep hungry for a night. It's not going to hurt them. But our instincts as moms are so different. Um, You're like, what do you mean? Let the kid go hungry. What do you mean if they keep forgetting their winter jacket, let them go out like those kind of things like parenting, especially as moms, it's it's very contradictive to like our instinct, our like basic mother instinct. So what's your advice for like kids who, you know, are picky eaters or who don't like like to do the things that they're supposed to do that are beneficial for them? How do we get through to them in a way that's safe and healthy and that we're not going against like our basic parenting instinct all the time? That's something that I struggle with as well, because one of the proponents of positive, gentle parenting is that 
you allow natural consequences to take place. So yeah, if they don't eat dinner, then they're going to be hungry. And the next time they'll eat, but I can't do that either. I, I struggle with that as well. So something else that you could do in lieu of that is beforehand, before anything even happens to warrant it, you want to have your consequences kind of outlined. So like if this happens then your kid knows this is a consequence. So like if you don't eat dinner, then you're going to lose your TV time for the next day. So that way they know, okay, I'm in charge of my behavior of eating dinner. And if I don't fulfill that, then this is what's going to happen. So that's a different way that you could approach it. That way it's something that the kid is aware of. And then once the kid doesn't eat dinner, you want to be firm and consistent and following through with that. That way they're aware, okay, next time this happens, mom or dad, they're not going to let me do X, Y, and Z. That makes perfect sense. I like that one. (laughs) What about, you know, kids and screen time, right? You want them to be up to date on technology, learn how to use the computer. And a lot of schools provide, you know, iPads or laptops to their students. So it's really hard to get away from it. How do you allow them to have that time? Because I know for my kids, we have like certain rules for screen time, like no screens at dinner table. On school nights, we don't have screens unless it's like a family thing that we're doing together, something that we're all watching together as a family and things like that. Like, you know, they're allowed to use it for homework if they have to. But how do you make sure that you're doing it in a kind way? Because they're so bombarded by friends who, you know, might not necessarily have the same rules at home or the same family values where they're allowed to watch anything. They're allowed to talk on the phone all night. They're allowed to be on YouTube watching any video that's on there. So how do you kind of get through to preteens and teenagers? Yeah, so I think, first of all, outlining like what you guys, what your family expectations are. And I think making kids aware that their friends might do things differently, but that doesn't mean that they have to do it as well. And I think that goes back to kind of allowing them to kind of form their own identity. So like they're not more susceptible to peer pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I mean, our parents used to be like, oh, I'm not so-and-so's mom. Like, <laughs> like get it together. We have our own roles. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't even up for discussion. <laughs> And I think having rules is great. So I have similar rules as you do. Unless technology is needed for homework, we don't utilize it during the weekdays. Weekends are able to use it as long as it's supervised. And my kids are younger, so they don't have their own personal devices right now. It's mostly what's on the TV. And it's something that my husband or I have already pre-screened. So we know that it's acceptable. And this is something that they fought against. And oh, so-and-so is able to watch TV after school all the time. And we just had a a frank discussion about while they may be able to do it, that's not something that we're doing and listing the reasons why. And I know it's something that our parents never usually did. It was more of this is what we're doing and that's that. So kids are people too, and they want to know why they have to do things. So just explaining, this is why I'm doing it. And these are the reasons X, Y, and Z. And my reasons for my kids were, I saw that when they were watching more TV and using more technology, they weren't tapping into their creativity. They were more, I don't want to say addicted, but it was something that they really wanted to do. And when I tried to turn it off, it was something that would cause tantrums or like emotional outbursts. So once I limited that, I realized that they were tapping more into their creativity, which is what I wanted. And they were doing more hands-on things and using their imagination. 
So it's amazing how much of an impact technology has on the kid's brain. So back to explaining the reasons why, it's also a trait that you want your kid to have. You want them to ask why. Once they're older, you don't want them to just go along with someone telling them, oh, you should do this. And they say, okay, and they do it because it's something that they grew up with. You want them to question, well, why should I have to do that? Especially if it's their friends trying to get them to do something. If they're able to kind of step back and question, I think that's a really great trait for them to have. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I mean, eventually they're going to have a lot more time away from their parents. So all of these lessons that we're trying to get across, you know, earlier on, you can monitor and make sure, but later on, they're just out and about, they're at the movies, they're at the library, they're hanging out at a friend's house and you can't watch them. So it's really great if you set those boundaries from an early age and they kind of kind of grow with it. So as far as positive parenting comes, is there anything that I'm leaving out, anything that you want to add? One thing that I wanted to add was the research has shown that kids who have grown up in positive, gentle parenting turn out to be more resilient children which is something that is very needed in the society that we live in right now. Having kids who are more resilient and able to deal with the stress of the world that we live in, the fast-paced world that we live in right now. Yes, totally agree on that one. For those sisters who are listening to the episode who are you know, interested in learning about you know, different career paths, different educational paths, Tell us a little bit about how you got into your field and, you know, the process for you. And maybe, inshallah, share some of your tips and advice for sisters who might be considering it. I was one of those people in college who had no idea what I wanted to study. So I ended up actually switching my major, I think, about four or five times before I decided on becoming a therapist. And it was one of the classes I took in my junior year was about marriage and family therapy. And I was like, this is something that I could do. This is something that I see my community needing. And maybe if they see someone that, you know, looks like them, that understands a culture, they might be more willing to seek services. So that was my reason for becoming a therapist. And I went on and got my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. And I had to do an internship. So anybody who's trying to get into this field, I would recommend you use the internship as a kind of a way to test out the field and to see what you are interested in and what you don't feel like you could do. Because it's a time where you can kind of go to different populations and see like, so you might work in a trauma clinic, you might work with eating disorders, you might work with mood and anxiety disorders. And it's a way for you to, before you actually get a job, you can kind of see if this is a population that you feel like you can serve or if it's a population that you feel like that you may not be interested in working with, if that makes sense. Because it's a time where you're working for free, essentially. So you might as well kind of explore before you actually commit to a job. Yeah, because I mean, not every, you know, sub group from therapy and all that kind of stuff works for everybody. Some people are just not comfortable in certain situations. So I'm really glad that that's one of your tips. Is this something that you would suggest for sisters who are going back to education or looking to, you know, further their career paths a little bit who uh, might have not like, you know, done this when they were younger? Most definitely. I think having that life experience would be a big pro in actually going into this field because it can, it can help them and it can also help the clients that they work with. 
So I think, yeah, it would be a great feel for people who are wanting to get back in there. Awesome, mashallah. In the beginning, you mentioned a little bit about why you got into therapy and the health aspect of it that you love. Tell us some of your like go-to tips for creating maybe a little bit of a holistic life, if that's not something that comes intuitively to you or your family. What are some simple tips that you can give some of our listeners? So some of the simple tips is eating more natural food. So staying away from, I guess, kind of like the middle aisles of the grocery store where everything is kind of like in a box, because some of those ingredients can impact your mood, they can impact your hormones, it can impact your brain. And especially when it comes to our kids, we want to be very careful about what we're feeding them. And I know most people are like, well, you know, organic is really expensive. And I totally understand that. But even if it's not organic, I think just starting there, just like using it. Just as long as it's real food is the main point. I mean, a lot of little kids have, you know, behavioral issues that stem, you mentioned from their diet, where they're either hyper or they're always feeling lethargic and they're not able to keep up with their peers when it comes to education and behavior. So I'm glad that you mentioned like, you know, the middle aisle where they keep everything very accessible (laughs) in that part of the grocery store, but all the good stuff is in the outskirts. So, you know, inshallah, for all the sisters who are listening, really, inshallah, try to work on seeing what's in your diet, what's in your children's diet, and how you can work on that, inshallah. Rune, tell us where we can find more of your work and where we can connect. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at rune.sadid. I'm also on Snapchat, rune-wellness. And I'm not as active as I want to be on Instagram. Mom life has kind of taken over. Um, but inshallah, that's yeah, it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, that balance is really hard. So inshallah, I hope to be posting more on there. So a little bit about what I post is mostly um, on both kind of handles. I post spiritual wellness and also kind of mental wellness and just like mom stuff. So if that's of interest to you, I am also on Facebook. Again, not active there, working on that balance at Wellness with Drone, and I post kind of like events I have going on on there. Okay, awesome. So tell us a little bit about these events. What kind of events do you hold? So right now I'm holding a a monthly group for moms. It's just kind of a space at one of our uh, local masjids. We get together, have some snacks, have some coffee, have some tea. And it's just a safe place for moms to come there, get support, talk about what's going on. We typically have a topic that we pick beforehand but we're also kind of flexible that if someone wants to talk about something else, we're able to go with the flow. And what I wanted was just a place for moms to be able to come and talk without the pressure of feeling like they have to mom a certain way, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense because we're like on so many different team moms that it gets a little bit out of control sometimes. So I'm glad you're creating a safe environment where all different types of moms can come and share their experiences and learn from each other. Yeah. So inshallah, I'm also working on some mindfulness workshop for kids. So kind of like introduction to mindfulness. I feel like that's a skill that kids and adults could use in the world that we live in, that that fast paced world. And also trying to work on some parenting workshops, inshallah. Other than the workshops that you're doing, what can we expect from you? I know that you said you're going to try to work on social media. Yeah, inshallah, my goal is to be more active on social media and inshallah to offer more courses at the masjid if possible. 
Awesome, inshallah. We're going to do a rapid fire, which is something that I've been working on the last couple of episodes. So we're going to do five quick questions. So first question, what was the last book you read? Oh, the last book I read, A Temporary Gift by Sister Asma. Awesome, mashallah. That's a great book. Like It just pulls on your heartstrings. It does. It does. It, it gives you a different perspective on this life and the hereafter. It does. Probably make life easy for her and grant her husband. Genital for those. Um, second question, what's your life motto? Ooh, that's a good question. What I want it to be is go with the flow. I'm a very like anxious. I like things to be controlled. Uh, I'm learning to let go. So I want to go with the flow. Hey, you're doing a good job. You're on here on your first podcast. I know. Poshua, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, third question is coffee or tea? Oh, coffee all the way. <laughs> See, that's what I like to hear. I think tea was my go-to before kids. And then now it's just like, hello, can we hook up the caffeine on some uh, IV or something? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so I know you're all about healthy eating, but I have to ask, cake or cookies? Ooh, that's a good one. Can I say cheesecake? Does that count as a cake? <laughs> yeah, it does. That's an awesome choice. Last question, fall or summer? Oh, summer, most definitely. Love it. Thank you so much, Ruin, for coming on this episode. I really appreciate all the information that you shared with us. For all of you guys who are listening to this episode, check out all of Room's information on the show notes, which you can find in the description of this episode, as well as the show notes on the website, as well as all the different places that I'll be sharing out on social media. Rowan, thank you so much again. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I had a great time on here. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nap Time is Sacred podcast. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. And while you're at it, please leave a rate and review so we can get this podcast out to more people. To connect, you guys can find me on social media under the handle at NaptimeIsSacred. That's going to be on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, for more of my work and these episodes, check out NaptimeIsSacred.com. Until next time, stay positive and work towards the life that you want.